0: Chapter 16, Sirion. Chief O2 and Lieutenant Fetman arrive at the debris site. Chief O2 erects a shield around the cargo bay to protect them from any form of radiation. Lieutenant Fetman puts the shuttle in hover mode and informs the chief that he can begin to collect the debris. Chief O2 notices a rectangular panel and faces it straight to the cargo bay. After collecting a couple pieces of debris, he notices something blinking in the distance. Lieutenant, you see that light at 2 o'clock? Yes, Chief. Move the shuttle within range, but slowly. The shuttle gets within 10 clicks of the object when Lieutenant Fetman turns to the Chief and tells him that he is picking up a signal from the debris in the vicinity of the light. Chief O2 orders him to move in with extreme caution. The shuttle slowly arrives at the point of the light. The two officers notice that it is a beacon. Chief O2 informs the Star Crusher that they have located something that looks like a beacon in the debris field. Commander Han clicks his VAPCOM. Chief, is it still transmitting? Ah, sir, it seems to be transmitting somewhere deep within the border zone. The commander orders the chief to retrieve the beacon for further examination and to be sure to enforce a dampening field around it. Chief O2 faces the beacon to the cargo bay. And after collecting a few more pieces of debris, he instructs the Fetman to head back to the Star Crusher. The ship's intercom goes off. This is the captain. Dismount team. Please report to Shuttle Bay 1. A minute later, Captain Bifford enters the Shuttle Bay. The doctor base and Lieutenant Roberts are already there. A couple of minutes later, Ambassador Cito arrives. Captain contacts the bridge and informs them that Shuttle Armstrong is ready for departure. Mission forward, sir. The Shuttle Bay door opens. Captain Bifford eases the shuttle out of the bay and heads towards Sirion, capital city, Selleck. Central Command, this is Captain Bifford, arriving as guest of Chancellor Fallon. This is Central Command. you are clear the land on landing pad three. The shuttle hovers and sets down on the landing pad. Captain Bifford exits the shuttle, followed by the dismount team. The team is greeted by a small complement of serions Welcome, Captain. I am Chancellor Fallon. It is good to put a face to our saviors. The captain nods and offers a friendly gesture by extending his hand. The chancellor understands and extends his hand in return. The chancellor then introduces his wife, Sheila, his assistant, Decta, and the provincial council consisting of Count Bela, Count Materesa, and Countess Vestra. The captain is stunned by the exotic presence of the Syrian women, but maintains his composure. It is my pleasure to meet you all. The captain then turns and introduces his team. I present our ship doctor, Dr. Basin, ship security, Lieutenant Roberts, and Ambassador Siddle. The Syrians bow and the chancellor gestures toward a large open glass door. You are all welcome, please, this way. The dismount team follows their host, making their way to the dining chambers. Chancellor Fallon tells the guests that they had prepared a traditional Syrian meal in honor of their new freedom. The offers the guest a glass of wine. Sito reacts as a wine console would. This wine has a very nice texture, and the taste is wonderful. Shallow replies, Thanks, Mr. Sito. It is made from the papa, one of our most cherished fruit. Captain Bifford takes a sip from his glass. Hmm, what a wonderful flavor. Chancellor Fallon sees the expression on his guest's face. Tells the captain a case will be delivered to his shuttle. The captain thanks the chancellor. The chancellor, distracted for a few seconds by the dining hose, turns back to the table and informs them that the meal will be ready in a few minutes. Captain Bifford, thinking that this would be a good time to get some of his questions answered, sets the wine down and begins a dialogue. Well, Chancellor, since we have a couple of minutes, I was wondering about the spill. Why was someone prison another race in such a manner? Chancellor fell showing no surprise at the question. I thought that would be at the top of your list. He begins explaining to the captain how they were once explorers. And over 150 years ago, they stumbled across a race in the sector of space that they had passed through during a six-month exploratory mission. When they entered the sector, there was no planets. But when they were about to leave, they discovered a seemingly dark planet. The planet Cloak must have failed during the brief moment. And their interstellar ships was about to detect it. They called themselves the Kalops. We attempted to communicate to them that we were explorers and meant no harm. They denied our request and instructed us to forget about their world. So we vowed to never contact them again. One morning, the then-Chancellor Michalik was awakened early from his rest. His assistant informed him that there were no planet-wide communications. After the investigation, we realized that we had no ships or satellites in orbit. By using conventional telescopes from the Historic Museum, our top scientists discovered the sphere hovering between Sirion and the moon Tela. We deployed low-orbit satellites for communications with hopes of contacting our aggressors. Two hours later, we received a message from the Calop informing us that we were prisoners of war and our sentence was to serve 300 years in planetary captivity. They informed us that any vessel attempting to leave the planet or enter the system would be destroyed. The council tried every diplomacy tactic they had. Their pleas went unanswered. Lieutenant Roberts horrified with what he heard. What effects have it had on the Syrian people? The chancellor tells him that they were scared at first, but realized that they had to find a way to destroy the spear. After 40 years of failure and suffering, planet-wide war among the continental cities, they decided to devote all of their resources to other areas of science. The Chancellor turns to Dr. Basin and informs her he will schedule a tour of their medical facilities, for they have made great strides in medicine. The doctor thanks the Chancellor. Captain Bifford interrupts. Excuse me, Chancellor, when was the last time the Calop contacted Sirion? The Chancellor tells the guests, that they were contacted every twenty years, but it stopped all of a sudden, and they have not heard from the Calop in a hundred years. The captain startled. A century? The Chancellor looks at the captain. Century, what is this? Captain Biff explains the century is a hundred earth years. The Chancellor nods, Yes, and continues. When the communication stopped, we assumed the worst. We will be captives forever. We were glad you came along, Captain. The Captain quick to take advantage of his host's gratitude, asked the Chancellor if it would be possible to get a copy of their star charts of the Border Zone. Chancellor gladly agrees to inform the Captain that there is a Syrian explorer that has explored over 50% of the vast expanse, what you call the Border Zone. The Captain now knows that they are on the same page and asks his host if it is possible to arrange a meeting with this explorer he mentioned. The chancellor warns the captain that the Syrian explorer may request to accompany him on his mission. Why would he want to join an alien crew? The chancellor tells the captain that the explorer has already requested a ship from the council, but they do not want to jump back into space exploration so quickly. He is anxious to get back out there and their interstellar ships have all been dismantled. The captain informs the chancellor that the star crusher would be glad to have someone familiar with the border zone. The chancellor turns to Decta. Please have Mr. Sever report to the dining hall. Yes, Your Honor, replies Decta. The head diner server walks in and informs the chancellor and his guests that lunch is ready. Felon thanks the server and invites everyone to take a seat. Dr. Basin comments on the main course. That looks like spaghetti. This is recal replies Sarah, a delicacy from the eastern continental city water bay. Mr. Salva enters the dining hall excitedly. The chancellor offers Salva a seat and introduces Captain Bifford and his crew. Mr. Salva replies, it is my pleasure to make your acquaintance, Captain. As it is mine to make yours, Mr. Salva replies. The server continues serving as the guests help themselves to a feast only seen by kings and queens, but Mr. Salva finds it hard to eat due to the fact he is so excited at the possibility of joining the Star Cluster. Everyone continues the meal and begins to chat about cultural difference. The conversation mostly focuses on Sirion and Akalop. but Sabah curiously changes the topic to Earth. Captain, may I inquire where your home world is located? Earth is a 12-hour trip, replies the captain. Unsure about the captain's answer, Sabah puts his hand to his chin. 12 hours, captain? Captain Bifford explains that they arrived by the way of the Cyclops asteroid belt and that the ship cannot jump through the asteroid belt, so impulse power must be used to maneuver through the one opening it avails. Mr. Sabo shakes his head with confidence. Interesting. It would seem that Earth is in the solar system of eight and one sun. Captain Biff is surprised by Sabo's remark. Looks at him. Eight and one sun? Mr. Sabo. Yes, Captain. Yes, we have eight planets and one sun, but how do you know this? Captain Furlong interrupts. Our ancestors visited your world, Captain. And at that time, your race was still trying to establish interplanetary space flight. The 21st century, replies Dr. Basin. The Chancellor Narson continues. They found your race to be interesting, but not ready for contact. They knew one day Earth would play an important part in our history. Mr. Savile turns to Siddle and informs him that they have also visited his planet. But at that time, his race were slaves to another inhabitant. Siddle surprised, replies, yes, that is so. But when we were visited by the Earthlings, our captives started a war with them and lost. And that is how our world became a paradise. He turns to the server, more wine, please. Captain Bifford, seeing the Ambassador and knowing how the Turians are uncomfortable about their history, starts to change the conversation. He turns to Saber and starts questioning him about his astrological knowledge of the border zone. Sava begins explaining his missions. He tells the captain of all the worlds they have visited and ones they have made contact with. Mr. Sava explains that most of the races they encountered were 100 years or more behind the Syrians in space travel. The captain, very impressed with Mr. Salva, asks him if he would like to join their mission, but he warns him that it could become a dangerous one. Mr. Salva thanks the captain and tells him how much it means to him. Captain Bifford once again reiterates that it could be dangerous, but assures Mr. Salva that they are well prepared and that there will be more detailed briefing aboard the ship. Lieutenant Robert interrupts. Captain, may I? Go ahead, Lieutenant. The lieutenant asked Mr. Savile why they called the border zone the vast expanse. Mr. Savile replies, seriously? It is tricky, Mr. Roberts. Once you pass through grid 89 through 99, you will encounter a distortion in space. And once you pass through it, you will find yourself in a whole different part of space. I mean, different in every way. The captain speaks, sir. Uh, How many times have you visited that part of space? Once, captain replies, Mr. Savile. I spent six months before we encountered the Kalops, and you know the rest. Yes, I was the one to discover them. Captain Bifford, pleased with Salva's answer, informs him that they shouldn't have a need to go that far. After an hour of dinner and wine and an hour of sightseeing, Captain Bifford informs his host that he and his crew need to take their lead. The Chancellor tells the Captain that he and his crew are welcome anytime. The captain, in turn, thanks the chancellor and offers to have an Earth delegation visit Sirion, to establish diplomatic relations. We will like that, Captain," replies the chancellor. Chancellor Falon escorts his guests and Mr. Saville to the shuttle bay. They say their goodbyes and enter the shuttle. The shuttle arches upward and takes off. Chancellor Falon waves as the shuttle disappears into the clouds. A few minutes later, the Vapcom on the bridge goes off. Start pressure. Shuttle Armstrong requesting permission to dock. Star Crush acknowledged Onstar Shutter Bay one cleared for landing. The shuttle lands and as the crew exits, the captain turns to his security officer. Lieutenant Roberts, show mister Saber to his quarters. The captain then turns to his new crew member. Mr Saber, once you are settled, you will be given a tour of the ship. Thank you again, Captain. Captain Bifford makes his way to the bridge and a few minutes later enter and is greeted by Commander Hong. Commander gives him an oral log of the events during his absence. He tells the captain about the debris retrieved from the spear and that it is now being examined by a science team led by Chiefs Two. Captain Bifford, a little tired, tells Commander Hong to maintain command and mission forward into the border zone. He will be in his quarters. Captain Bifford takes his leave and exits into his quarters. Be with us next time for chapter 17, Orion.